Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. podcast the podcast that loves you for who you are kind of back with you once again for pull list and one division update for the week of february 17th 2021 joining us once again is sandra snapper swindle i'm stan daniel and with me as always is albert marsh so albert yeah we'll just jump right ahead to the recommendations and risk picks Let's discuss upcoming comics this week. Comics that we want to make sure you're aware of in case you want to slap them on your pull list. A couple of risky recommendations, too. Albert, who do you want to start this week? My first pick of the week is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number two. Written by Tom Waltz and Peter Laird. Well, Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman, and Tom Waltz have the writing credits and multiple artists from art. I really liked this. It was like Dark Knight Returns and Ninja Turtles. Issue one was good when it came out a while back. So I'm all about issue two. I really did too. I very much enjoyed this comic. We were both looking forward to it. I figured you were going to pick it, so I didn't put it on my list. But yes, definitely. I think this is well worth the money. The first one was very rewarding. No reason why the second one shouldn't be. My second pick is X-Men Legends number one. A lot of people work on it. One of the bigger people to work on this one is probably Brett Booth, who Marvel just got up. They're new stories, but it's older stuff, and it's all in continuity. Different time periods. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be one of my picks too, Albert. But, you know, just go ahead, take it, run with it. My third pick is Future State Shazam number two, written by Tom Sheridan and art by Eduardo Panzica. I like this you want a good bit. This is one of the standard three ninety nine DC Future State books. I like this you one well enough. Yeah, you had recommended issue number one, and I had wanted to read it, and I missed it the week we reviewed it, but I went back and read it, and yeah, it was pretty good, so I look forward to this one as well. All right, what have you got for two risks this week, Albert? Uh, two risks. One of my risks for the week is Truth and Justice number one. They call it a team-up series. So I don't know if it's just going to be an old-style Marvel team-up or how that's going to work, but the first issue is mostly Vixen-based. and involves the Global Guardians as well. Jeffrey Thorne's the writer and artists are listed as Criss Cross, which I think it's been a while since he's done anything that I yeah, remember. I haven't seen Criss Cross do anything in a little bit. And Jordy Tarragona. And that's Truth and Justice. Yeah, I'm kind of confused about what the book is. The blurb reads, Vixen takes center stage in the debut issue of this new team-up series. Mary McCabe is many things, superhero, model, activist, but can she add Godkiller to the list? Vixen teams up with Dr. Mist and Impala of the Global Guardians. Okay, you said Global Guardians. Yeah. Yeah, what this is, this was a digital first thing. Mm-hmm. I think it started printing in early January. There's enough stuff in it now to, to make a full issue out of it. Because issue one is, uh, I think, a 40-page, $5 book. So what's your second risk? 
There's a new book out by Valiant called Savage. It says, uh, from the mad minds of international superstar Max Bemis and powerhouse artist Nathan Stockman comes the craziest action book of 2020. So I guess this was a COVID delay. Oh, ho. It says, teenage heartthrob, feral social icon, dinosaur hunter, born and raised on <laughs> uncharted island full of prehistoric dangers. Kevin Savage, I guess that's maybe how you pronounce his name, has a taste of home when a mutant dino threat invades England. I guess I'll give this a shot. It don't seem too bad. Oh, uh, yeah. When's the last time you saw mutant dinosaurs invade England? It's been a little bit. Just a little, though. Okay, and for my recommendations for you this week, I've got... Four, number 12, written by Donny Cates, art by Nick Klein. Donny Cates' handle on these characters, whether it's Venom, whether it's Thor, no matter what it is, is at the expert level and beyond. He's done a wonderful job on Thor, picking it up right after Jason Aaron's run. And Jason Aaron's run was not a bad run at all, but Cates is, he's up the game on it. It's been one of the Marvel comics must-haves, and it continues to be. This book, it's going Going into surreality, exploring what has happened to Dr. Donald Blake's persona when Thor's not using him. Basically, he's gone mad and he's gotten the upper hand on Thor. He's loose and he's killing anybody to have ever held a hammer or the persona of Thor. Issue number 12 hits this week. It's really, really, really good. This is some of the best Thor stuff since Simonson. In my mind, I'm putting it up there with Simonson. Donnie Cates is nailing this book. My second recommendation to you is going to be from Aftershock Comics. We live number five by the Miranda Brothers. I cannot tell you what a refreshing, new, creative book this really is. The Miranda Brothers have shown that they can craft a world, a story, and add extraordinary artwork to it, make the characters heartfelt and engaging, give you a sense of urgency. They really, really are gifted storytellers. I'm completely and totally a fan of the Miranda Brothers due to this book, and I highly recommend that you pick up previous issues of We Live as well as We Live Number Five. I think this is only a six-issue miniseries. It's well worth the money. It's well worth your looking into. I can't help but feel that because it's from Aftershock that a lot of people are overlooking We Live. Don't you overlook it. Go in, ask if they've got the previous four issues or second prints of it, and pick up issue number five of We Live by the Miranda Brothers from Aftershock Comics this Wednesday. My third and final must-have on your pull list is actually kind of shocking that I'd recommend it, but not shocking that it should be on your pull list. The King in Black, number four, from Marvel Comics by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Stegman. I'm not a big, we must have an event a year situation. I'd like for them to take a couple of years off between events, but King in Black is an event unlike the great majority of the others. This feels worth it. It's thought out. He's been working up to it. Donnie Cates has been working up to it for years. It's well done. It's engaging. This is how events should be done. Unfortunately, the vast majority of them are not done this way. But don't miss out on it. I haven't regretted one single instance of taking time to read any King and Black issue, whether it's been a tie-in, a crossover, or the main story itself. So King and Black, number four, from Marvel Comics, hits the stand this Wednesday. And my two risks... 
for you this week. My first risk comes under the title of Immortal Hulk, but it's not a regular title of the Immortal Hulk. It's Immortal Hulk Flatline. And the reason I'm choosing it as a risk is because it's not Al Ewing on it. It's not the standard creative team on it. This is a one shot and it's written and drawn by Declan Shalvey. I think it's Declan, not Declan. Declan Shalvey. This is Declan. I imagine this poor Irish guy dressed up in a sheet. (laughs) (laughs) The cover looks great. It's called Immortal Hulk Flatline, and the blurb reads, One creator, one Hulk, one superstar story. The clan Shalvey writes and draws an Immortal Hulk tale that gets to the heart of Gamma. Every morning, Bruce Banner wakes up in a new place. The Hulk is trying to tell him something, but Bruce has had enough of his green-veined altars. When a new Gamma-powered villain shows up in a small New Mexico town, Bruce is forced to confront the source of his anger, and it's not what you expect. Most of the Hulk one-offs have been okay. But I prefer the Al Ewing stuff. I'm going to take a chance on it. And I think you should, too. The cover is awesome. The cover to it looks absolutely positively knock your eyes out awesome. Hopefully, it'll be up to Al Ewing's standard for the Immortal Hulk. My second risk recommendation to you, and it shouldn't really be a risk, but I'm going to slap it under there anyway because I've already done your pull list picks, is Young Hellboy, The Hidden Land Number 1. Stranded on a strange island after a mishap on their way to South American dig site, Hellboy and Professor Bruttenholm are confronted by all manner of monsters. But even when the stranger who rescues them turns out to be one of Hellboy's heroes, they aren't as safe as they think they are. Young Hellboy comes from Dark Horse Comics, writer on it are Mike Minolia, Tom Snagowski, art by Craig Russell. I do highly recommend that. I have yet to read a bad Hellboy story that Mike Minolia was on board for. Those are my two risk picks for you as well. Sandra, what have you got for us this week? I'm going with Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number two from Marvel, which is written by Larry Hama. That's worth the price of the ticket right there. The art's by David Watcher, Wachter, Watcher, Wachter. David Walker. Yeah. David Walker. It's okay. I was calling Declan (laughs) Declan. That's what I would call it. (laughs) And then I'm going to go with from Heavy Metal. I think they've had some COVID delays. Issue number three of Sun Eater, which was that Viking book that was written by some guy from a Disney show, Dylan Sprouse and Joe Harris. Yeah, Dylan Sprouse and Joe Harris. And the illustrator is Diego Yapor. So the third issue is out now. That's my second recommendation. My third recommendation is going to be a trade. The Marvel Masterworks, Howard the Duck. They call him Howard the Duck. Volume 1. My two Give It A Tries are going to be Modic, Head Games Number 3, which is written by Patton Oswalt. I'm going to try at least one story. Well, I'll probably read more than that. If I get it, it was Marvel number five, which is that anthology book that's curated by Alex Ross. This issue has a Wong story by Gene Ha and Xander Cannon. And Adam Hughes depicts Nick Fury's final soliloquy at the end of the Second World War. That's worth the price right there. And of course, there'll be a framing device by Alex Ross, which will have Nightmare. Those are my picks. Well, those are good choices. Well, thank you. I was asked by somebody, why do I need a watch when I have my iPhone? 
It's a good question. So while you and all the other first graders out there fumble around trying to get your iPhone out of your pockets and then turn off the 32 update reminders, the 20 missed call notifications, and the 78 text messages about available women near you, me and the other adults will simply glance at our wristwatches from IVI watches and know the time within a second and be reminded that we are a person with style and taste because of the watch we chose. Besides, it's hardly a status symbol when you own an iPhone. I mean, every 12-year-old has one. The refined wristwatches available from IVIwatches.com let people know that they are dealing with a quality adult who knows who they are and what they're doing. But why not get a Rolex? I hear someone in the audience who has never seen an actual Rolex in their life ask. The answer is because you are not a 1980s stockbroker who has no idea about value for money. Watches like Rolexes are ridiculously overpriced, and all they say about you is that you are a pretentious ass whose favorite movie is still Wall Street with Charlie Sheen because you never really understood the actual message of that movie. And the only line you can quote from it is greed is good, which is not even an actual line in the film. With IVIwatches.com, you get the value you pay for. The style and discernment comes at no extra charge. Be an adult. Check out IVIwatches.com today and enter the code KINGDOM to get 25% off. (laughs) We have been having technical difficulty after technical difficulty on this episode, so we're going to skip some of the regular emails and we're going to go right into... Okay, so Albert, you fully watched it, right? I did. Sandra, you're trying to catch up on it as we were doing the episode. Yes. Some of the things that we did get pointed out, and I took some one-liners from some of the emails and knocked them down, was who is Monica's astrophysicist friend? Several people have asked this, but I've taken the one from Dion, who said he doesn't think it's Jane Foster. He doesn't think it's Reed Richard. Dion says that the smart money says it's Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel. And quite honestly, I think he may be right on that. Why would it be Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel? Oh, that's right, well, because they're they're an item, aren't they? Yeah, they were an item. Yeah, mm-hmm. Monica and Adam Brashear were an item. And they keep hinting throughout the series that Monica has referred to her astrophysicist friend three times now and is on her way to meet him. And so there's been a lot of speculation on who it is. I think it could very well be Adam Brashear. And he'd be and, what? Five years older compared to her? She was gone for five years. Yeah, and like maybe he didn't. I, I, well, in Blue Marvel's older. He's an older guy. Yeah, so. he's, yeah. he's from the 40s, the 50s. Yeah. Well, he, he was retconned into Marvel's history, like the century. But now, did she say an astrophysicist? Did she yes. say a man or a woman? She has referred to him and he. What about the guy that was, well, the actor's name is Alex Skarsgård. Oh, the guy from Thor? Yeah, who was working with Jane Foster. He played Professor Eric Selvig. Selvig, there we go, Eric Selvig. I don't think it's going to be him because Darcy would know. That, and I think if it was him, they would have went ahead and shown him. Yeah. If the reveal's him, then it's not a good reveal because it's someone we've already known the whole time, and there's no reason to keep that a secret from the viewer. I agree wholeheartedly. Definitely going to see Monica Rambeau transition into Photon due to her physiology being rewritten by going back and forth through the WandaVision barrier so many times. So we're definitely going to see that. I don't think Vision is going to make it out of this alive. Well, he's technically 
dead. Yeah, he is technically dead, but when we see him pull out of the bubble and the bubble pulling him back in and he falls over, it did not look good. I don't know how Vision would survive this situation. Jordan has written in and he says that he noticed that Pietro was really obnoxious to Wanda. At one point, tells the twins to release hell, demon spawn. Jordan believes that Pietro is actually Mephisto in disguise distracting Wanda, and that's why he doesn't look like the Age of Ultron Quicksilver. I don't think Mephisto they would use. If there's Mephisto in here, it's only a touch of it. If it's anything, it's probably Nightmare. Nightmare comes off as a television show bad guy. Mephisto comes off like a movie bad guy. I think they could be introducing Mephisto. I don't think that they're going to finish him off in this TV series. I think it's more of an introduction. Do you think there's anything to Jordan saying that Pietro is not any Quicksilver whatsoever, but rather one of the antagonists? Like I said, I thought it'd be funny if he was just a dude in town, but she just has him playing Quicksilver. But I don't think she has him. I think the, the, the kids have brought Quicksilver in. Well, I think that's like heavily implied the kids were screwing around doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our listeners had sent that in last week, and yeah, I can see that. Rick wrote in and wanted to know, is Ellis Street named after Warren Ellis? Because that's the street where the comic book reality turns surreal if you cross it. And no, Ellis Street is more than likely named after President Ellis. Who the hell is President Ellis? I don't know. I'm glad you asked, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> President Ellis was the president in the Marvel Universe from the Iron Man movies. He showed up in Iron Man 3. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. That and like it is sort of a, I mean, Ellis is Ellis. It could be anything. So It's a fairly common name. There may not be much to that, but I, I really don't think it's named after Warren Ellis. I don't think anybody said, let's name this after Warren Ellis. A couple of other little tidbits. Wanda got the reference when Pietro, Evan Peters, says kick-ass. Both Evan Peters and Aaron, the Age of Ultron Quicksilver, were in the movie Kick-Ass together. They were best friends. And so that was a cute little meta reference they made. Herb asks if Wanda needs something changed, similar to the way Agnes was asking for directions the previous episode, which means that Herb is also completely acknowledging that Wanda's in charge there. When Wanda approaches Herb about his neighborhood watch and says, well, maybe if you called up Vision, and Herb says, Vision's not on duty tonight. In the background at the movie theater, the two movies that were, did y'all catch the two movies that were playing? Yeah, The Incredibles and Parent Trap. Both of those are just little funny puns that they put in there because The Incredibles are a superhero family. Wanda and Vision are parents and they're trapped. (laughs) Is the Parent Trap not the twin thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's because they're twins. The twins Um, bringing the parents together? You're thinking of Freaky Friday. No, Freaky no. Friday is where the, the parent and daughter swap bodies. Okay. Yeah. Parent the trap is where the kids realize they're, they're twins or separate or so, whatever it was. So they swap or, or something and they swap places. Yeah. They're long lost twins. Yeah. I've never been a parent trap fan. That was just asking too much of me. <laughs> the yogurt commercial was creepy as all hell with the claymation shark. 
Mm-hmm. The little boy stranded on the island. What was it called? It was called Magico or O Magic or Yo Magic. It was Yo, Yo, Magic. Yo Magic. Yeah, Yo Magic yogurt. And he couldn't get the thing open and he dies over time and disintegrates. So it implies that if you're not getting enough magic trapped inside of Westview, then you're deteriorating, you're dying. And I thought that was creepy as all hell. The other little tidbit, the other little hidden Easter egg is that the Yo Magic yogurt, the advertised flavor on it was strawberry flavored. That's relevant because that's what I imagine Elizabeth Olsen smells like. Oh, Stan. Strawberry. She smells like like vanilla. Oh, you guys are awful. (laughs) No, she smells like fresh strawberries. So that's a quick rundown of some of the major Easter eggs that we were able to catch in the last episode of WandaVision. And right now we've got one of our contributors interrupting us, which is fine. You can interrupt us. We're not going to argue with you on that. But uh, Mr. Klosky is letting us know that there's a big brouhaha over a pop figure that's been released. Pop figure is of Pietro Maximov. It features him in his Halloween Quicksilver costume. The brouhaha is that the name Pietro Maximov is in quotations, implying that that's not really who this is. Huh. Maybe it's the wizard. They're doing their new multiverse stuff, and he's a speedster from another universe. I think that's hinting that if you're right about the villain, it's Nightmare. If I'm right about the villain, it's Mephisto. I'm sitting here looking at the actual picture of it that Mr. Klosky sent us, and yeah, that does look kind of suspicious. Hmm. As I mentioned before, we've had a great deal of technical difficulties with the podcast, so I apologize for cutting it short, and we'll add even more Kingdom Casts goodies and such in the uh, next podcast to make it up to all of you. Thank you again to our sponsors, IVIwatches.com, where when you enter the code KINGDOM, you get 25% off your overall purchases. Thank you again to all of our contributors. Thank you most of all to our listeners. We greatly appreciate you. Continue to let us hear from you on any and everything that concerns you. We just enjoy the emails, answering and responding to them through emails and on the air. Again, that's KingdomCasts, Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com, KingdomComics at gmail.com. Both KingdomCasts and KingdomComics on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please do give us five stars if you like us. That really helps us again. And we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. And hopefully we'll be back to normal form on Thursday or Friday when we post the regular podcast. This has been your Pool List WandaVision update. I'm Stan Daniel. That's Sandra Swindle. Sandra, you got any closing arguments? I just wanted to say, as I'm watching this uh, WandaVision here, when I see Pietro, he reminds me of Impossible Man. In this show. A little goofy looking there, but they were doing the costume throwbacks. I thought that was nice. I mean, even without the costume throwbacks, he he reminds me of Possible Man. So when I think of Incredibles being a nod to Fantastic Four and Parent Trap, I don't know. It's interesting. All right. I just want to throw that out there. Impossible Man. Not happening. Albert, (laughs) you got any final thoughts? WandaVision is still terrible. Oh, it most certainly is not, and you know it's talking not. About it. It's picking up. It's been outstanding. It's great. It's the greatest no. TV series ever made. No. Go that far. <laughs> All right, guys. Tell them good night. Good night, everybody. 
Good night, everybody. And we'll talk to you later on this week. Thank you all so very much. Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thank you to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryant, Cornelius Burroughs, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Hatcher, Charles Hickey, Ali Marceau, Joseph Koloski, Katrina Olstead, and Angela Pickett. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2021. All rights reserved. The weather could be affected, Stan. Yeah, it could very well.